What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the College Football Degenerate Podcast. As always, I'm here with your boy, Michael. How are you doing today? Uh, man, I'm doing good. Um, we had a really interesting week of college football, uh, and I'm excited to see where the sport goes next. Uh, so many teams that I think could realistically be bringing home that national championship this year. It's crazy. Um, for all the people that kind of complained about, oh, there's a lack of balance in college football. I mean, what more do you need now? I mean, how many teams this year are just in that same category of teams? I mean, I don't think there's one team that has separated themselves so far. And uh, man, if you're someone that loves balance in sports, uh, college football has it this season. Yeah, not only that, but like you were saying, especially a year with the criticism of, you know, having just the same top teams make it every year. This year, more than ever, has so many teams that I would say are good, not great, but you have so many teams that can contend and make the playoffs. Um, it's shaping up to be a really exciting year. And um, talking about exciting, week four brought everything. It was... um. In my opinion, it was all the hype. Michael, I'm sure I'm sure you thought it was crazy. And instead of just, you know, talking about, you know, things here or there, let's just, just get into it. You know, let's just get into the first game of the day that everyone saw first, everyone was paying attention to. Who is really the king of the ACC? Of course, I'm talking about Florida State Clemson. Michael, what are your what are your thoughts on that game? Ah, uh, man. Uh, Jordan Travis is clutch, and uh, Keon Coleman is him. Uh, you know, Florida State did not look great in this game. They looked quite sluggish at a lot of times uh, on both offense and defense. I mean, Clemson came out of the gate looking pretty decent. Um, but what has happened in every game so far this season is they've kind of turned the ball over. Uh, they have a turnover problem. Um, and the fact that, you know, in this game, there weren't many turnovers. There was only one, but it was by Clemson, and it was such a massive play. Um, the defensive player, oh, uh, was, was it uh, Kalen Deloach, the safety? Yeah, he came in on that blitz, and he absolutely blew Cade Kubnick up uh, forced the fumble, and he returned it back for a touchdown. I mean, that was, in my opinion, has to be the big change in the game. Because up until that point, it had been quite close. You know, it was close, but Clemson was pulling away. They were on a good drive and were likely going to put up points to put them up, uh, you know, two scores. And what happens? Boom, fumble, return for a touchdown. We got a tied game. Uh, so... I look at that play as a obvious uh, change in it, but man, I mean, Clemson had some. They had a dude who wasn't even in school. He was on the team. Uh, he was taking online classes, and they had him kick a field goal. I mean, and in the first time when he makes it, everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, yippee, yippee!" You know, because it's the like amazing, you know, story. And then what does he do? He misses. He misses the t- the field goal. To, like to put them up, it wouldn't have gone to overtime if he makes that uh, field goal. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, if 
usually if you're having to rely on someone who was not on the team, but he had an extra year of eligibility. I mean, he wasn't even in campus. He was taking online classes. If you have to rely on that, then usually you're not going to win many games, you know, and because it turns out he he wasn't playing for a reason. It turns out he wasn't very good. Otherwise, he would have made that field goal. So, I don't know. It was very weird. Uh, Clemson, um, they played better than what uh, a lot of people thought they would. Uh, There was times where they looked like the better team. The problem is they just couldn't hold on to it. And, you know, the lose to Florida State is brutal. Uh, Florida State is officially, in my opinion, the king of the ACC at this point in time. Uh, I, I frankly don't know if Clemson makes uh, the ACC championship game. Uh, if, you know, this is, you know, so not good for Clemson. Florida State looks like the king of the ACC, and Jordan Travis, he's selling merch now, uh, that calling himself the Tiger King. You know, it's him on a throne with two tigers, which it got old Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic say he's going to sue Jordan Travis for um, calling himself the Tiger King. So, Yeah. Um, um, you know, I thought it was a very fitting way for Florida State to win. And don't get me wrong. I honestly, there were some points up until that fumble that I thought they were going to lose. You know, there was some interesting play calling. I don't know about you, but it kind of looked like most of Florida State's play calling was throw the ball up to Johnny Wilson or Jordan Travis 30, or not Jordan Travis, uh, Keon Coleman, yeah, like 30 yards down the field, which they kind of showed is not a bad idea. I mean, those guys are incredible. Might have the best, not even might, they definitely have the best wide receiving core in the ACC. But um, but yeah, the talk the whole time before the game was deep was Dabo saying, you know what, I'm gonna stick with my guys. I'm not going to the transfer portal. I'm homegrown. And alluding to your point, he's so homegrown, he's gonna take a student that's taking online classes to kick field goals in Clemson's biggest game of the season. And mm-hmm. as it should, it didn't work out. You know. You know, I'll say he made a good field goal, made some extra points. He missed not the easiest field goal in the world, and I don't know what Dabo expected. And I just think this is Florida State's time. I love Mike Norvell. I really like where he's gotten this team after where it was a couple of years ago. And Clemson needs to use the transfer portal. And Michael, I don't know if you disagree with me, and this is going to be a pretty bold take, but... Either Dabo's going to have to adapt and use the transfer portal. I don't, I don't want to say his job is questionable, but if you're Clemson, do you really want to keep a guy that's not going to use the transfer portal? Like, hey, What's we, your opinion? It's just confusing. We will talk about this in later on in our overreactions are just about right segment, but I don't know. I mean... Dabo is still clearly a good coach. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. But it's just like if you're not putting the best players out on the field, that you can't. Now, again, I, I couldn't possibly imagine Clemson take a step of action anytime soon just because of what he's done for the program. I mean, he didn't even rejuvenize the program. He put the program on the map, made it where it was today with those national championships. And I don't know. 
I think he will adapt. I think this is a big learning lesson. You know, the transfer portal isn't a bad thing. And, you know, as crazy as it sounds, if it's at everyone else's disposal, you kind of have to use it. Um, yeah. I, I it's guess. That, oh, you go, you go. You know, I was just going to finish up by saying, you know, again, all the props in the world to Florida State. Absolutely great win. You know, I think they're looking to definitely go into an ACC championship. But people might be sort of surprised when I say this, but if you're looking for a bright spot, if you're Clemson, Yes, you have two losses. Michael, correct me if I'm wrong, because you, you might think differently. I thought Cade Klubnik looked great. I thought this was the best he's looked, especially in the first half. Maybe a couple hiccups in the second half, not always converting. I thought this was the best game of Cade Klubnik's career so far. And I think it's a lot to look forward to in his young collegiate career. Yeah. I mean, outside of uh, maybe, let's say... That uh, preseason game, not preseason, excuse me, the ACC championship game against North Carolina when he came in, I, this was definitely the best that Cade Klubnit looked. Uh, he just had some nice throws. Uh, he was 25 of 38 for 283 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he looked quite nice. Uh, Will Shipley, uh, good as always. Uh, and Phil Moffa was real nice. So, I mean... It's not that Clemson kind of lacks talent. And I, I thought the receivers, uh, Tyler Brown specifically, the true freshman, um, he looked uh, quite nice. But it's just the fact that there like, really isn't enough receiving talent and offensive talent on that team. Uh, and that could have easily been fixed through the transfer board. Uh, you know, i was been saying this for the last few years. About Dabo and the uh, the transfer portal, and you know he doesn't have to like it, and I understand that. But uh, college football is kind of a, an adapt or die sport, uh, and it seems that Dabo is not going to adapt. Which means, you know, I just question if he can realistically put a team that can compete. And not just, like, be in that game, like, really win it against an ACC championship game or a college football playoff game against a real opponent like a Florida State. Uh, I don't know if they can. Uh, I don't know if, you know, they'll make the college football playoffs ever again because of the seemingly way the team's being ran. It's just sad to see that uh, because... You know, for the last decade, Clemson was a really good team. You know, really good program. Uh, yeah, not only that, kinda... but yeah, I was just gonna say, like, they're they're definitely like, I I would consider them one of the more liked, you know, powerhouse teams. There was nothing you really, you know, hated about. Them. You know, you love the Dabo part of it. And there's been like a, a, one of the more liked powerhouses. That again, homegrown. You do love to see it, but again, alluding to your point. I just think there comes to a time where you kind of have to adapt. And I think Dabo's going to after this year. You know, I couldn't really I couldn't really envision him going. And now, again, there is some talent on the team, but those loose ends, you do have to tie. And Florida State definitely did. And that is a big reason why they came out on top. So, yeah, like you said, you kind of have to adapt or just accept the consequences, which Dabo did this Saturday. And, you know... 
like I said, very fitting for them to um, blow the game on that field goal, taking off a student who was mainly online. But um, but yeah, um, moving on. Uh, this game, this game, I don't think we talked about as much going into um the weekend as much as we did others. And I said this on the um. I guess we'll just call it like the betting edition of the podcast, like, you know, props to look at. And when I said this, not only was there silence, but you and Brandon both were like, you know, that's just a game I'm not going to touch. I haven't really looked into that one. If I had to lean a team, I would lean Oregon State. And that was one of my most confident bets of the week when I said Washington State money line. I said they don't know about Cameron Ward. And he might have looked like the best quarterback on Saturday. It definitely was not Caleb Williams, which we'll get into. But Washington State's receiver room, Cameron Ward. I mean, Michael, what do you think? I think I think that team is a team to be reckoned with. Oh, uh, definitely. I mean, as someone who, I mean, I'd call myself a Cameron Ward truther for the last two years. Uh, I really loved him coming out of Incarnate Wood. Uh, FCS school in Texas, I believe. Uh, and I was like really surprised when he ended up choosing Washington State over uh, Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss was recruiting them hard, if I remember, and it just made sense. But he chose Washington State, and then Ole Miss ended up going with Jackson Dar. But uh, so he ends up in Washington State, and I was like all last year saying, like, this is a guy that I think could definitely be drafted. He never show the potential that I saw uh, last season. He did this game, though. I mean, 404 yards, 28 of 34 for four and four touchdowns. I mean, he showed up big time. Uh, he has undoubtedly shot his name up into Heisman talks. Uh, he is legit. He's got an absolute cannon of an arm. Uh, he's a decent runner as well. So, uh, yeah, this was a great game back and forth. Uh, Oregon State got real close at the end, but uh, Washington State was able to pull it out. Uh, man, it sucks that, you know, this is the, the rest of the Pac-12 after this year. Uh, there's no reason for either of these teams not to be in a, con- in a Power 5 conference, frankly, uh, especially with the disappointment that was uh, the new additions to the Big 12. They, but all four of them, you know, in BYU, uh, Cincinnati, uh, UCF, and uh, Houston, I believe all three of them went 0 4. All four of them went 0 4, excuse me. Uh, yeah. Um, so why, why is Washington State and Oregon State not in a conference? Why has the Big 12 not reached out? I don't know. It won't make sense to me. Um, but, man, I think this was a great game. Again, Cameron Ward showed out big time. That receiving room was nice. Uh, Kyler Williams, uh, 174 for a touchdown. And, and 24, you know, 25 yards per reception. Josh Kelly, 159 yards, eight receptions, uh, three touchdowns, 20 yards per catch. I mean, those two absolutely popped off this game. Uh, Oregon State, I mean, they didn't look great, but they, they looked much better in that second half. DJ, all right game, 17 of 34, 198 yards, a touchdown interception. 
he did have 61 yards carrying and a rushing touchdown. Again, uh, Oregon State has an elite rushing attack. Uh, they're just kind of a team that it seems like if they get down big, it's going to be hard for them to come back because of the style of play they have. Um, but, man, they're, they're still a good team. Uh, Oregon State is definitely someone to look out for, and Washington State. Uh, I think both will make real splashes when I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if both of them won a game against what you I could call the big four of Oregon, Washington, USC, and Utah in the Pac-12. I mean, I think they definitely could. And uh, man, we got some great college football that game. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Um, the Pac-12 is absolutely stacked. And um, just to continue in that fashion and um, just update the people on where I'm at right now, not, not even talking about the Colorado-Oregon game yet, as good of a performance that was, I would like to go out there and say, as of right now, September 27th, I okay. believe that the best team in the Pac-12 is Washington. And the, the Huskies? Second, the Huskies. And to oh, that, yeah. second that, I would also like to say something even further. And I just want to clarify, this is not recency bias. What I'm about to say, people are going to be like, oh, you're just saying that because Marvin Harrison Jr. had a bad game. No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm saying this because I've watched both these players, each game they've played up until now. And Michael, I can confidently say that the best wide receiver in college football is not Marvin Harrison Jr. And I'm sorry if I butcher the name. I believe it's pronounced, is it is it Rome O'Duns? Or is it Romeo Dunsey? Uh, it's Rome O'Duns, something like that. Yeah, I, it doesn't matter what his name is. I mean, well, it does, obviously. But uh, the point is, he's a beast. I, not I not only that, but insanely good again, right now. a team like Cal, you know, they're better than their record shows a good team. It doesn't even matter what the team is. Rome has a punt return touchdown, 125 receiving yards, and two touchdowns in the game Saturday night. He is the first receiver in Washington history to have over 100 yards receiving in each of the first four games. He is the number one target for Michael Penix. And again, I'll get into Michael Penix in a second. He's, he's not the only guy either. They have Jalen Polk. And they have a bunch of other wideouts that are insane. This wide receiving core is stacked. This defense is nice. And to finally get to Michael Penix, who might be leading the Heisman race right now, after a stinker, well, I wouldn't say a stinker put up by Caleb Williams, but I guess that was just, yeah, that was just a weird Which we'll, right we'll talk about that later. That's something we're going to talk about later. But oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Roma Dunza. Uh, Roma Dunes, uh, uh, Jalen Polk, and Jalen McMillan. I mean, I was talking about this receiving room being legit during the offseason. Uh, and also, I mean, to all the people who said that I was overhyping Michael Penix Jr., where are you now? Where are you now? I was right. Michael Penix Jr. is playing insane right now. Uh, he is on most betting sites. The current favorite to win the Heisman. So, man, he is legit. Uh, yeah, um, it's it really is crazy how good he is. Um, 
I don't know. I was just watching that game late Saturday night, and it was sad because of how good the defense was and the special teams. We didn't get to see him do as much as he usually would in a game. That being said, you know, he still goes for 304 yards and four touchdowns. So the the ceiling for this guy, I mean, you can't even really name it when it comes to college football. The guy is unbelievable. And Washington as a whole, I mean, I don't think they're the best team in college football, but they are executing better than any other team in the nation right now. I mean, when they get into those hard-packed 12 matchups, if they can keep this consistency, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they play uh, at Arizona this week, uh, which... On paper, you'd say, oh, well, Arizona's not that good. Uh, Arizona, they're 3-1. and one. Um, They didn't look great against Mississippi State. They just haven't looked good this season. Uh, One-point win against Stanford. However, I do not sleep in that game. Uh, there have been a mighty, a many of very good Pac-12 teams that have had their playoff hopes destroyed with Pac-12 after dark, so especially in the desert out in Arizona. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, if wa- I mean, if Washington goes out and uh, keeps on playing, like track, you know, playing how they've been doing, man, they're going to be, they're, they're definitely going to make an impact on the college football playoff race this year. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's a team, at least on the offensive end, that is you know, performing at the rate that Washington is right now. Yeah. Um it was it was crazy to see. Keeping it um kind of in form, another Pac twelve matchup that was I don't even want to say board I guess I will say borderline. It was borderline the most hyped up matchup of this past week and it did disappoint. It did disappoint. I hate to say it, but well, of course I mean, it, it disappointed in if you like the actual game but i mean if you were a person that just wanted to see the wildest takes possible uh this game definitely delivered uh and it was the most watched game well if i'm thinking of the right game which game were we talking about no uh you're talking about about colorado oregon yeah that was the most watched game of the year. Yeah, I didn't know for a second. I didn't know if you were talking about Utah UCLA, which we'll talk about later. No, but, that game. That game was a snooze fest, but we'll get to that one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Oregon Colorado final score. Obviously, Oregon forty two to six. Uh man. Uh, <laughs> that was something. Yeah, there's um. There's really not much to say about this one. You know, a lot of people didn't think that Colorado could, you know, compete with a team like this. I thought they'd be able to at least score the ball. But Dan Lanning wanted to prove a message. If you watched any of his statements, you know, you know, most infamously, they're playing for clicks. We're playing for wins, you know, but he showed that and he did not let up 42 to six. He kept the foot on the gas pedal the whole game. I I want to say Bo Nix looked great because he did, but the defense was almost non-existent. I mean, Troy Franklin had a crossing route over the middle, and he had probably 10 yards of separation on both sides of him. I mean, that Colorado yeah. defense is bad. 
Shadur Sanders felt the pressure, but again, that O-line didn't give him time. Oh, it was hard to watch. Um, but yeah, Oregon's, Oregon's going to be good. I, I don't even want to say I know what Oregon's going to be because I really don't even consider that a test really for Oregon. You know, we saw how they handled yeah. adversity versus Texas Tech, so I guess we'll see how they do against them in the future. But um, the last point I want to make on this, you know, a lot of people were glad to see Colorado lose. A lot of people were mad about them losing. But whoever's like, they need to be taken off their high horse. This team is awful, blah, blah, blah. Yes, they've been hyping themselves up. But the fact that Colorado was even ranked, was even 3-0, and if you look at last year, is unbelievable. So yes, bad game by Colorado. But it just seems like people are taking this out of perspective, considering where they were last year. So, um, you know. Colorado's got some tough games ahead, but we'll um we'll see them bounce back. Uh yeah. Uh you know, it's so odd because there's like people on both sides, you know, because I felt like uh the people like saying, Oh, they're on fraud watch. They are fraudulent. They're so over I mean this is a team that won one game last year. This is a team that they're over under win total was at three and a half. You know, you can't go and adjust your uh, opinion on a team to fit that narrative. You know, you have to come into a game, you know, come into a season with, you know, an, like an expectation. This is what they're going to be at. And if they exceed that, then they did good. Now, on the other end, um, if you're, you know, the people that are like, you know, there were a lot of people that were hyping them up. You know, Colorado has been, was the center of college football for a good while. You know, I mean, they had college football game day was there. You know, uh, uh, the big noon kickoff was uh, 60 minutes was there. Okay. Everyone was there. The rock, you know, was there, you know, offset all the celebrities coming in to watch them play at Colorado. And that's definitely not going to stop. People are still going to talk about it, but there were so many people that were talking about like, man, Colorado, you know, Shador Sanders is going to win the Heisman. You know, let's calm down. It's been three games and he hasn't really played a good defense. Um, um, let's not talk about Colorado. Colorado's not going to win the Pac-12. There were certain people that thought that, you know. Now, granted, small minority, but still. Um, and I understand why people did not like the Colorado show. I mean, if you uh, went on any college football network, that was all that was going to be talked about. Uh, you wouldn't. Uh, you would not have known that there were good Pac-12 teams. Uh, other than Colorado, you would have thought they would have been the greatest team ever. But um, so it's like no one should be surprised by this score. This is what people were saying in the offseason. They don't have the lines of scrimmage and they don't have the depth. And without a Travis Hunter there and without the offense and defensive line, you know, that's what happens when they went up against a superior opponent. And there should be no surprise there. But there's just a lot of crazy takes. Like, what in the world are we talking about here? Uh, it's what all uh, Josh Pate on uh, Late Kick said, the, the Dion tax. It's, it's, he was 100% on the uh, nail with that one. Uh, 100% correct. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Colorado has a, a tough rest of the schedule, um, though. So, who knows how the rest of their season goes, but... Yeah, um, I guess to quickly talk about um, a couple more games just leading on with that. 
Let's talk about Colorado plays next, USC. They played arguably not only the worst team in the Pac-12, but one of the worst teams in the nation this year off performance. And they barely beat Arizona State. I mean, Michael, what happened? I don't know. That's a good question, man. Uh, I mean, this is a, an Arizona State team that looked horrible, okay? Frankly, they were atrocious. Uh, you know, you go and look. I mean, who was it? Fresno State. 29 nothing against Fresno State. USC doesn't know how uh, Fresno State shut out Arizona State. Is Fresno State the best team in the West Coast? I don't know. Uh, Drew Pine comes in 21 of 36, 221 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. I mean, this game was close for like most of the game. Uh, and I mean, Caleb Williams, he didn't have like a bad game. 20 of 31, 322 yards and three touchdowns. Marshawn Lloyd had 154 yards. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, Arizona State just like, I mean, they had 111 uh, Cameron Skate Tubo. I mean, he had 111 rushing yards by himself. Um, ran a touchdown. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe was USC just sleepwalking? I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it was confusing though. Uh, yeah, it definitely. Know. Um, it definitely made for some good Pat 12 after dark. But um, besides that, I just think USC was sleeping on them. I'm usually really critical to on teams for this. But there's really not much to say. They were just looking ahead to the to the following games, and they just, you know, kind of got, got sleeping a little bit. But um, talking about sleeping, it was hard to stay awake during the Utah-UCLA <laughs> game. That was good. Which sucks, because I really thought UCLA was going to win, you know? And if you looked at it, all the reasons I gave on the podcast happened. Utah had a non-existent offense. UCLA's defense played spectacular, but what I didn't account for was for Dante Moore to have an awful game. Could not do anything. And I don't even really want to give, I, I kind of guess I have to give credit to Utah. You know, this team has shown that they can win without Cam Rising. Yes, it might be by any means possible. It might be a pick six. And then one score the entire other game. And then just an ugly game being played by UCLA. I don't even really want to talk about this game anymore. But Michael, what are your quick thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much. Uh, Utah's defense is good. Uh, they're really good. Uh, I think Dante, Dante uh, Moore will be fine. No, no, he'll be uh, fine, but this game, a, it was just, it was yeah. sad. I mean, he's a true freshman and playing in one of the toughest road environments in the conference for his first conference game. He just didn't show out. He looked like a true freshman. Uh, and that's the thing with playing uh, true freshmen. They're going to look like it. Uh, now, I mean, the fir- like one of the touch Utah's first score came off a of pick six. Uh, on the first play of the game, where the linebacker just snatched it out of the air. Uh, yeah, Utah really needs Cam Rising back. But man, if they get Cam Rising back, though, and he's playing at the level he was, I mean, I don't know where he is. He's been, he's stuck on a milk carton. It's, I, it's not, it seems like 
he's not going to be playing this week. When you look at the game, the spread against uh, Oregon State, Oregon State is a three and a half point favorite, I believe. Uh, not so- only that, but I don't see him coming back on a Friday either, especially with this. I know that sounds weird, but the way they've been holding him out, I don't think they're going to have him play his first game on an early day. So, so I yeah, I've, I have no clue what uh, is the matter here. Um, but, man, if, if Utah is able to get Cam Rising back, they could. Uh, I think they are a legit team. I mean, their defense is real. And Especially they've been, if they catch some of these Pac-12 teams at home. I mean, they're insane at home. Yeah. Uh, when you look at Utah, the rest of Utah's schedule, as I mentioned, they play Oregon State on the road on Friday. Uh, then they play uh, Cal at home. They play UCLA on the road. They play Oregon at home, Arizona State at home, Washington on the road, uh, Arizona on the road, and then fin- finish the season off uh, hosting uh, Colorado. So I don't know. I mean, but getting Cam Rising would be huge. UCLA's offense just needs to be there. I think, obviously, Cam Rising, I mean, not Cam Rising, Dante Moore, I mean, his struggles, 15 of 35, not good, 234 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Uh, That's not good. But the fact that, um, you know, excluding the sack yardage, they had 51. uh, Oh, and if you include the sack yardage, UCLA had nine yards rushing. Uh, TJ Harden, 11 carries, 31 yards, 2.8 yards per carry. Carson Steele, 11 carries, 29 yards, uh, 2.6 yards per carry. So uh, not good for that. But the fact that they just like couldn't get the run going, and I know Utah's uh, defense, their front line is you know is really good. But just like the fact that they were not able to kind of bail Dante Moore out. I mean, that was, you know, because, you know, as he's a true freshman, he's always going to have those true freshman moments, and this was one of them. And, I mean, if their rushing attack was there, they probably won this game. So, uh, tough for UCLA. They'll bounce back, though. And uh, Utah, their defense is legit. So, yeah, those yeah, are my thoughts. I would, um, I would agree. And, you know, I'm sure there's, there's a couple of games um, we've missed that we'll get into later, but don't worry, don't worry. Of course, I've saved the best for last. Of course, we got to talk about Notre Dame, Ohio State. And before I even get into what I thought about the game, what I felt about the game, no matter what anyone says, if someone said low scoring or anything, this is how a game should be when two powerhouses played. The level of football played on both sides of the ball was amazing. I believe the game lived up to the hype. I mean, last second finish, what more can you want? It was a great game to watch. Michael, before you um get into it, I'll just say my quick thoughts. Number one, as a as a guy that loves Notre Dame and loves Sam Hartman, that was heartbreak at the end of the game for me. Um, so many opportunities to stop him on fourth down. But um, going off of that, Kyle McCord surprised me. I I did not expect him to make some of those plays he made late. He might have looked shaky a little earlier in the game, but goodness, did he clutch up. Um, next, I think Notre Dame has some play calling issues in crunch time. Very weird play calls at time, especially that one screen pass. 
I know you're not going to expect it to be incomplete, but you either need to just you just need to be running the ball just to be using those timeouts because without him, Ohio State could not have done what they did. Um, Marvin Harrison was kind of locked down most of the game, but they did double cover him a lot, so you can't really blame him. Um, both defenses looked good. Audric Estime was kind of shut down most of the night. He kind of, you know, cut loose at the end. Um, I think both teams are still really good. And finally, and not least, um, Ryan Day. I, I'm glad you got a big win. What are you doing going after Lou Holtz, man? That was shocking, bro. Mike, what did you feel when he started going out to Lou Holtz, bro? I admit, I mean, I understand what he's saying. Uh, for a good while, especially back to the Michigan game, uh, many people, including myself, have been saying that uh, Ohio State is soft. And Lou Holtz just happened to be the most public person to say it and the most recent one to say it. So, uh, obviously, he cares about his team and wants to. Uh, yeah, Ryan Day is soft. Uh, he is Charmin, Charmin Ultra Strong, Ultra Strong Soft. Uh, like, what are you doing, man? You just won the biggest game, you know, of your career, probably. Uh, up second biggest. Uh, well, up there, at least. This is a huge game for Ohio State. Um, and for Ryan Day. And you decide to start trash-talking a 96-year-old. That's how old he is. Uh, I mean, 86. Lou Holtz doesn't know where he is, buddy. And you're talking, you know, the first thing you do, not later on in the press conference, not in, and I will will say it's funny, and I, I do like when these coaches are doing these WWE esque promos and stuff like that. But like the first thing you do is to mention Lou Holtz. What? Why is that the first thing you think of? Come on, man. He's not he's eighty six years old. And you start bring trash talking Lou Holtz. Mind you, he wasn't wrong either. When Notre Dame decided in the second half that they're just gonna run the ball they were able to do it with success. 176 yards rushing on 39 attempts for four and a half yards per rush. When they decided, hey, we're just going to run the ball, they did that. I mean, Estime did not have a great game. I mean, he had 70 yards, won five yards of carry, not bad. But Jeremiah Love, Jadarion Price, I mean, they both were averaging seven and a half yards per carry, especially Jeremiah Love. When he came into the game, he was making an impact. And so, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of odd for Ryan Day, but I will say he got a big win. Now, my thoughts for the game. Hey, Marcus Freeman. Uh, and who's their... Their defensive coordinator. I should probably look. I don't remember, but that is what I forgot about. I know what you're about to talk about. It was kind of crazy. Al Golden. Hey, uh, in football, if I don't know if you know this, uh, Al Golden, Marcus Freeman, uh, if you're listening, and I know you are. It's eleven on eleven. You have eleven people on the offense, 
and 11 people on the defense. Why are you playing with 10? This is not the first time this has happened this year either. This happened in the Tennessee State game. There was a play that wasn't really talked about, but Notre Dame played basically an entire possession with 10 people on defense. Now it didn't, and they almost gave up a touchdown on that play too. Now it didn't matter because it was Tennessee State, but and they were up already big. But why? How is this happening multiple times? And then you have Marcus Freeman coming out there and saying, um, "What did he say? He said he didn't. He knew he found out that he realized there was ten people in the field, and he wanted he was going to send another lineman on the field." Um, but he didn't want to get an offsides or, you know, any, you know, delay of game or any penalty. They're on the one yard line. The penalty for that is half the distance to the goal line. You can go half the distance to the goal line a million times and you're not going to score because it's just going to be half and half and half. So it doesn't matter. Just run him onto the field. What, what are we doing? Uh, letting them do it. Uh, there was so much that kind of bothered me, especially on, on that last drive for Notre Dame on offense and on defense. Like, we, why were why did they throw that screen pass? That made no sense to me, uh, as you pointed out. Like, just run the ball, you know? And the, the worst one was the fact that for most of the game, their defensive plan was working. Their very physical defense that was working. Outside of a big run from Travion Henderson, uh, you know, and a field goal near the end of the half, or as the like, you know, at the start of the first half, Ohio State was kind of struggling to score. They could get yards, but not a lot of yards, and eventually they'd punt or you know end up turning it on fourth over on fourth down or whatever. And then on that last drive, most teams do this. We're like, oh, this defense has worked throughout so far. Now we're going to go into a prevent defense and um, not give up the big play. As Emeka Ibuka, uh, you know, goes on a crosser and has, you know, 10, 15 yards of separation and gets another 20-yard reception. Uh, so, you know, where Kyle McCord hits a wide-open receiver. Like, what do we do? I mean, he had seven receptions for 96 yards, and he obviously had, you know— they you know, converted on fourth down many times. Also, Notre Dame secondary, man. Uh, you need to catch with your hands. Like, there's three times where Kyle Moore threw a pass right into a defender's hands, and the defenders dropped the ball. Like, what are we doing? I mean, obviously, that's the reason why they're playing defense. That's why they're playing corner and not receiver. If they knew how to catch, they play receiver. Um, but even on that big play where Emeka Buka caught it and got it to the one-yard line, there were three Notre Dame defenders standing around watching as the ball as as the ball just goes right in front of them and Mecca Buga catches it. And they're just standing, not giving up the you know the end zone. Why, why couldn't one of them just, you know, run and swap the ball or anything? No. They all have to say, Oh, we can't give up the touchdown as Mecca Buga gets wide open. I mean, what are we doing? I don't like when teams do that prevent defense. It makes no sense. Uh, Notre Dame kind of blew that one. They definitely should have won that one. That was an embarrassing loss. Um, uh, college football Jesus. You know, football Jesus is embarrassed in you, Notre Dame. Okay? Uh, I don't think football Jesus likes uh, Catholicism that much anymore. 
uh, he's moved to uh, something else. Uh, and, and this is a proof to Notre Dame that I your your program is over, is ruined. You're never winning a national championship ever again. Uh, you won one, one in the eighties, and everything else came in like the sixties and set. You know, seventies, sixties, fifties. I mean, before um, you know the invention of color TVs, that's when Notre Dame was a really dominant program. Um, that's when y'all were good. Uh, when y'all had Rudy, who was offside. I mean, maybe if you had Rudy on the edge, you would have stopped uh, Ohio State. Uh, maybe you would have actually won. Maybe you would have stopped what's his name. Oh, um, Chip Tranium. I mean, they got a linebacker. A dude came there to play linebacker, and they moved on the running back, and you let him score a touchdown. Well, one of the easiest touchdowns ever. Maybe if you had Rudy out there, you would have stopped him. I don't know. I mean, it was embarrassing. Uh, uh, Kyle McCord looked pretty good, but again, I thought he had numerous throws that should have been picked off. Nah, they weren't. So, he, you know, Kept on going through. So, uh, yeah, good win from Ohio State. I still have a lot of questions about them, if I'm being honest. Uh, Notre Dame, man, like, you should have won that game. And it's crazy. For all the praise that Ohio State has seemingly got, uh, you know, one play goes different, and then everyone's like, man, Ohio State sucks. Ryan Day's never going to win the big one. Ryan Day this, that, blah, blah, blah. So it's very interesting. And I will say uh, in Ryan Day's support, however, this is a big game because there aren't, you know, there aren't many coaches that can win games when you play bad. And Ohio State played bad, but they won the game. And that's all that really matters. And uh, So, yeah, those are my thoughts. Uh, Notre Dame, uh, maybe if uh, they bring back, uh, if they get rid of color TVs, maybe I'll win some games um. <laughs> yeah it was um it was a great game all um all emotions aside it definitely lived up to the hype and um that just um goes to show you what games look like when two powerhouses play again these are somewhat more defensive powerhouses more low scoring but the level of football being played was very high um but moving on from one of our bigger recaps i mean there were just so many good games this week yeah and there it were still time. many. There were still many that we didn't talk about. We could talk oh, I know. Forever, yeah, there's. We gotta gotta move on to um our um our, our my personal favorite segment, overreaction or just about right. And this week it is Michael's turn to be asking the questions. So Michael, um, I'm ready. Fire away. All right. Our first question is, uh, Dab- Dabo is is Dabo the problem in Clemson? Overreaction or just about right? We talked about this earlier. What are your thoughts? It's so tough. Um, I feel like in some aspects it's a little bit of both. But um, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna say just about right. Um, I think a lot of the problems of this year have been on execution by some of their better players. But, you know, not putting the certain guys out there that they need to win, just like a kicker that you take who's doing online schooling, um, just shows you that you need to go out and get your guys, even if it's just a kicker. So um, I don't want to harp on this too long because we talked about him a lot. But, yeah, Dabo needs to either adapt or um, adapt or go out on his own terms. 
dare I say. So, um, yeah, I'll say Dabo. Um, he is the problem in Clemson. All right. Our next question is Jalen Milrow is the QB1 at Alabama. Is that an overreaction or just about right? See, I didn't preview this game because I was assuming there was going to be a question like this. And this was my biggest point I was going to make about the game. 100% yes. Yes, Lane Kiffin choked again, as always, with Ole Miss. But Jalen Milrow played the best game of his career. I mean, that touchdown pass he played when he, when he threw when he was getting hit through two defenders, absolute dot. You know, he didn't always make a perfect throw. But with how damn it dynamic he is through his legs, and again, there, it's going to seem like there's a lot of praise coming from me, you know, and other people when other people were saying how bad he was versus Texas. I think he improved a good bit in between then, learning how to play in a big game. And you can tell this Alabama team really wants him to be their leader, really wants him to be their quarterback. He's a great leader. And um, yes, without a doubt, Jalen Miller was QB1 at Alabama. All right. Our next one. Ryan Day can win the big one at Ohio State. I mean the national championship. Can he do it? Is that an overreaction or just about right? I think right now, after that huge win, I think it's an overreaction. I think if you look at a game this close versus a team like Michigan or another team like that that knows how to finish games, I don't think it's going to be the same result. And again, this is a great win for Ryan Day. But Notre Dame hasn't been in the spot like that for almost 10 years now. And they didn't know how to handle the game. They didn't know how to close it out. And um, as great as a window as it was for Ohio State, teams like Notre Dame are not going to be the ones that are playing in the big game or to get there. And I don't even know if Ohio State's going to beat Michigan at the end of this year. So um, at least for right now, I'd say it's a reaction. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, our fourth one, this one. A little bit of a joke one, maybe say, I don't know. Travis Hunter would have made a difference in the Oregon <laughs> game. Uh, yes or no? I'm going to say no. I'm gonna say, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say, obviously, he would have done something. But, no, that was going to be 42 to 6 either way. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I don't think Travis Hunter can play offensive line, can play all four, all five <laughs> offensive line positions. So, <laughs> Uh, our next one, uh, Colorado will make a bowl game. Yes or no? I'm going to say just about right. right. You know, Oregon's a really tough team on their schedule. One of the hardest. I don't think they're going to be USC either, but I think they can scrape by with three more wins this season. I know they have a couple easy matchups. I believe they play Arizona. Um, Uh, if... So I have it right now pulled up. They play uh, USC this week. Uh, then they go onto the road at Arizona State. Uh, then they play against Stanford. Uh, they have a bye, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and then they play at UCLA against Oregon State uh, at home. Uh, you know, still at home for Arizona. And then they go on the road to Washington State and Utah. Uh, for them to make a bowl game, I think they're going to have to beat Air, like all of Arizona State, Stanford, and Arizona, which is possible. Yeah, I could see but. them beating UCLA or Oregon State. More likely UCLA, 
But I can uh, see one of those. I don't think they'll beat USC. I, I, or I don't think they. Yeah, I don't think they'll beat USC. I don't think they'll beat or, uh, Washington State. I don't think they'll beat Utah on the road. And I don't think they'll beat uh, oh, they Oregon State. Utah? I thought you said UCLA. Uh, no, they play both UCLA and Utah. Oh, oh, no, they won't beat Utah. I think they could beat UCLA or Oregon State, though. Well, I, the only thing with Oregon State is uh, Oregon State plays right into Colorado's weaknesses, yeah, which true. is they good offensive. Yeah. They, they have one of the best offensive lines, and they just run the ball boom. Boom, 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 boom. And you, you, what you already saw is, you know, when you can actually defend them and you have a good offensive line, it does not take much scoring to beat Colorado as high as Oregon scored. You know, yeah. I mean, if you just send four to five, if you just send pressure every play, uh, they're going to fold. They just, especially with no Travis Hunter out there, they just didn't have the receiving. I mean, I don't want to say that because, like, you know, Jimmy Ward and Xavier Weaver were really good receivers, and Dylan Edwards is a good third down back. But, I mean, just, like, constantly having a person in uh, Shador Sanders' face. And I will say, though, I mean, for as bad as that offensive line was for Colorado, uh, Shador Sanders does hold on to the ball a little bit too long, in my opinion. It's something that he'll definitely work on, but he just needs to kind of be more dynamic with that. Having a person in your face, he needs to either just kind of take off and run or, you know, just try and get to the sideline, you get out of the pocket specifically so you can throw the ball away. But, uh, yeah, I think if they're going to do it, obviously it'll have to be against Arizona State, Stanford, and uh, Arizona. Those three games are ones that I think they definitely could win. And So, yeah, I think if they make one, it's going to be those. So you think they will make a bowl game? I do. I do believe right. they'll make a bowl game. All right. I got two more. Uh, last one, uh, Lane Kiffin will never win a big game. Lane Kiffin has seemingly not won the big game ever. Uh, what is Lane Kiffin's, uh, marquee victory at Ole Miss? Uh, is it a bowl game against Indiana with Michael Penix? Uh, was it a few weeks ago when they played Tulane? Uh, uh, Toby, do you think Lane Kiffin will be able to win the big game? Um, I don't know. He's just shown the chokes, and um, it's sad. I don't have too much to say about it, but um, but no, I don't believe he's gonna win as a head coach. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, honestly, I think if Lane Kiffin maybe spent more time off of Twitter and trying to win these big games, I mean, I don't know. He tries to trash talk and uh, troll all his opponents on Twitter, and maybe if he focused on winning games, maybe he'd actually do it. I don't know. Uh, and our last one, which I will say um, will lead into our next segment, our new segment. Uh, it is, my, is Michael Penix the Heisman? As of right now, he is. I would say so. Um, he's looked amazing. His stats back it up, especially with where the teammates, teammates or the team's record is everything right now. Um, I would say yes, and um, I would say by a decent amount. Caleb Williams has had a great year, but Michael Penix, man, I mean, the yards and the touchdowns, it's, um, it's crazy. And, um, yeah, to go, to go off what Michael was saying, um, do have a new segment that we're introducing. It is, um, it's going to be our last segment of this episode, because uh, what we're going to do is every four weeks, Instead of talking about the the rankings, which again we'll post our 
updated top 25s on our Instagram, which you should follow. But um, you know what? No, Michael, do you want to do you want to explain what this segment is? Uh, yeah. Um, we're gonna do this every four weeks. Uh, and it is we're going to preview some of the major college football awards. Not all of them, um, but the major ones like. Uh, your Heisman, um, your Bolitnikov for your best wide receiver, um, your um, Coach of the Year, uh, your Do- uh, Doak Walker for your best uh, running back, uh, Davey O'Brien for best quarterback. Um, yeah, um, we might talk about some other positions, but those are the big ones, uh, Heisman, uh, Doak Walker, Davy O'Brien, Bolitnikoff, and uh, Coach of the Year uh, that we'll talk about. So yeah, uh, just preview them, uh, maybe like three or four players that we think are in there, and then who we will pick to win the award if the season was in right now. Uh, thankfully it doesn't, but this is who we'd go with. Um, so yeah, uh, we were talking about it, we could just get into the, the highest start at all. Yeah, that seems um, right. Um, yeah, uh, as you were saying, Michael Penix is who you'd go with Heisman. Uh, who would you go with the the other three, though? If you um, had to put that list up there. The other th- I'd probably go Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, then... I guess as of right now, I'd probably go Cameron Ward and the Quinn Ewers. I'd say Karen Ward's a really underrated pick, and I'm not just saying it because of last week. He has 16 touchdowns, no interceptions, 1,600 all-purpose yards, and he's had Washington State off to one of their best starts in the last five to ten years. So, um, And then, yeah, Quinn Ewers' stats aren't as great, you know, not as extreme, but um, wins as themselves. And um, I do fourth in the Heisman day. Um, Michael, who do you have as your fourth? Um, yeah, as someone who has been known as what I'd call the Michael Penix Trufer, uh, he is my Heisman pick. Uh, he is playing absolutely amazing right now. Uh, he is absolutely, he is leading that, uh, Washington offense. Uh, they look amazing. Uh, you could argue that they're the best offense in college football right now. And I think most people would agree. Um, then, yeah, I'd probably go Caleb Williams second. Um, he's looked pretty good. He's had some, you know, I don't want to say struggles. I mean, you know, 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, and no interceptions. But uh, just, you know, Michael Penix has been slightly better. Uh, but uh, definitely still in that race, I think. Uh, however, you know... I would also go uh, Cameron Ward in that list. I mean, he absolutely established himself as a real Heisman contender this year. I mean, especially this week. Uh, you know, he's playing absolutely ridiculous. And there's a lot of places where you could go for that last one. I think Keelton is a solid spot. Um, you know, there's also some decent non-quarterbacks, which we'll talk about later. But uh, I think for that last one, I'd go um, Bo Nix. Uh He's playing amazing as well, uh, right around under uh, 1,200 passing yards. He's got 11 touchdowns, 
only one interception that was in that Colorado game. That that was not a good interception, but uh, and he also has a rushing touchdown to boot. Uh, so yeah, that's where I would go. But um, it seems Michael Penix is the front runner. All right. What uh, what what what's uh, you know, since we obviously for that with the Heisman, we all named quarterbacks. We'd say that uh, all um, all Michael Penix is the Davy O'Brien. He's the best quarterback. That makes sense. Uh, I don't understand. Like last year, they gave Caleb Williams the Heisman, a Max Duggan the Davy O'Brien Award for the best quarterback. Which what? Caleb Williams plays yeah. quarterback. I don't know why. I don't like when they do that. Also, I think Max Duggan's not better than. Stetson Bennett, you know, so whatever. But that was last year. So uh, let's go for our next one. Let's say we go the Blitnikoff uh, for the best wide receiver. Uh, you know, I think we both have Roma Dunza in that list and probably as our, fa- you know, the guy we'd have winning it. Would you agree? Yeah, we already harped on him a lot. Not too safe about him. Crazy starts here. But um, yeah, that's who I'd have right now. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'll go over the rest of mine. I'd have yeah him in that list. Uh, I think I'd probably have Keon Coleman in that list. Uh, yeah, Seventeen that's receptions. Pretty, that's a pretty crazy year. A lot of touchdowns. Uh, Two hundred fifty-six yards. So a little. I mean, I don't want to say low. I mean, Two hundred fifty-six yards is still good, but uh, six touchdowns uh, tied for the favorite. And I feel like looking at everyone else in that like. Uh, six touchdown in the end of the list. I feel like he is undoubtedly the one that's played the most big games and most big moments. So I'd have him in there. Uh, I'd probably have I'd have Malik Neighbors uh, third on that list. Uh, he's been ridiculous. Five hundred twenty-three uh, receiving yards and five touchdowns. Uh, he's been amazing for uh, LSU, uh, especially that game against Mississippi State. He was ridiculous. And there's a lot of places where I could go for this last one. Jalen Polk is really good. Um, Corey Franklin had an amazing game for Oregon. Uh, I would definitely think about Xavier Leggett, the wide receiver out at uh, South Carolina. He's had a really good year as well. But I feel like the person for me, it has to be Luther Burden. Um he has been amazing for Missouri. Uh, he was a big reason why they got that massive win over Kansas State. And he's sitting there at 504 passing yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he's been a major part of that uh, Missouri offense. Uh, so, yeah, that's where I go with that. So, Roma Dunza, um, Keon Coleman, Malik Neighbors, and Luther Burden. All right. Um, I guess my four. Roma Dunsey, um, Roma Dunsey, Malik Neighbors, Luther Burden, and then I'd probably have Harrison four. Um, Who at four? Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, that's fair. You know, he didn't have a great week last week, but stats he had the week before and just talent there. Um, I just think put him. I hope he does fair. I understand why you do that, but uh, moving on, I'd say our Doak Walker Award for the best running back. Where do you look at for this one? Um, kind of weird. It's been like two, two. 
that the crazy starts here. But um I probably probably go still. Had a pretty good start. Has who? Uh, Blake Corum. Oh yeah, I mean sitting there with uh eight touchdowns. Yeah, there's not competition to him, but I guess to run through my four probably put Audric Estime second. He's had a year. Trevor Etienne's another guy that's good a year. And Definitely. Four. When I throw in a guy, probably not going to be talked about a lot. Just crazy. Actually, it's pretty good. You go a guy out of Rutgers. You go a guy named Kyle Manunga. I think I think he's had a really great Big Ten. Not a huge talk to. Well, actually, no. It's between. I think Carter. I want to double running back. Hey. What? I'm kind of breaking up a little. Sorry, I was saying a load. Um, yeah, I'm actually gonna fun. switch it and say that um, my fourth is Nathan Carter from Michigan State. One of the only bright spots on the team of a really rough year, especially with the firing of Mel Tucker. I missed the allegations, but yeah, I'd probably have a Nathan Carter four from Michigan State. Oh yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think for one for me, I would go Audric Estime. Uh, well, he didn't nearly have the game that uh, I was looking for him to have against Ohio State. That was because of how good he's been playing. I mean, he's already at 591 uh, rushing yards, five touchdowns. I mean, he's a beast. Uh, help. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up uh, leading the nation in rushing yards. So, yeah, he's having a great year. Um, I think second, I would go Blake Corum. At 352 or 351 rushing, but eight touchdowns leads the nation. Um, insane numbers from him so far. Um, there's a lot of people I can go with for these last few spots. Uh, I think, however, I'm gonna go a guy, underrated guy, group of five guy, and Nate Noel or uh, no, yeah, uh, the running back out at App State. Uh, 542 rushing yards for four touchdowns. Um, I mean, he was really good, especially in that North Carolina game, I believe. Uh, uh, yeah, he had 127 rushing yards and two touchdowns against North Carolina. Uh, he has been kind of a big part of that App State team. Uh, he is very good. He was very good last year as well. So, uh, yeah, I really like him. And I think uh, another guy who is having himself quite the year, uh, but not nearly talked about as much, uh, the only one touchdown, but uh, Damian Martinez, the running back for Oregon State, 432 rushing yards, 7.6 yards per carry, which is really nice. Uh, he has had himself quite a year, so I think I'd have him 
as my fourth, but Otter Estime, in my opinion, pulling away. Well, not pulling away, but he is the favorite for me. He went Blake Corum. Our final major award we'll talk about. Uh, there are plenty of other ones, but uh, Coach of the Year. Who are you going as your Coach of the Year? There's a lot of place, ways you can take this. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, for Coach of the Year, I don't really want four, because I have just three guys that I think are really cool. Well, I'll do four. I'll do four. Um, number one, I think this is a pronounce it. I have Kalen DeBoer, the head coach for the Washington Huskies. Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, um, crazy start to the year. Has his team firing on all cylinders. Um, I, I see him as the front runner right now, but the second guy I have, who, again, many other people could see as the front runner just because of how bad they were last year, Deion Sanders. Um, you just can't not talk about him. Totally just revolutionized just the way we think about Colorado. Like, we have them, we had people thinking they were going to be Oregon. So um, yeah. that was crazy. And then I have um, Dan Lanning from Oregon. Um, yeah. You know, definitely got some media attention for the way he was talking against Colorado. And just um, a great start for Oregon, too. Again, after week four, nothing too crazy, but two good wins against Texas Tech and um, Colorado. And then a guy, Michael, I hope is on your list. Possibly the best performing team in college football up to this point. Of course, I'm talking about Fresno State's head coach, Jeff Tedford. I mean, this team is playing the best football I've seen any Fresno State team ever play. I mean, the fact that I'm even talking about them. This team is playing crazy. They're scoring, I think it's 40 or 50 points a game. It's absolutely crazy. So, um, yeah, um, Jeff Tedford is definitely got his guys going over there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, there are definitely a lot of great coaching jobs. I think you obviously have to mention uh, Deion Sanders at Colorado, what he's done. Uh, I mean, again, a one-win team, and they were ranked this season. Uh, He has built that entire roster um, by himself, pretty much. so yeah, he came in, and looked um, has looked amazing outside of that Oregon game. But I mean, who really thought they were? I mean, the fact that they have a legit chance of making a bowl game uh, is something that should not be scoffed at. Uh, that is legit. Um, so yeah, at second, I mean, at second guy I'm going to mention, uh, uh, Kalen DeBoer out at Washington. I mean, that offense that he has is. Like all cylinders right now, uh, and for as great as Michael Penix is, and for all those receivers, uh, it also helps that that offense is just dialing up, you know, amazing plays right now. Um, man, I think my next guy I'd go though, I'd go old, um, you know, Lance Leopold out at Kansas. Uh, he's a guy that I really like. Uh, he has that, I mean, for the second year in a row, uh, Kansas has started this season 4-0, uh, which is a miracle, okay? You know, Kansas is not some amazing school uh, for college football. Obviously, they're a basketball school, but 
Uh, yeah, he has them at an insane level right now. And I think I would probably end for my last one. Obviously, Dan Lanning definitely is deserving a mention. And I think he undoubtedly could shoot up into this rankings if Oregon starts winning some big Pac-12 games. But I think I have to go Mike Norvell for my last spot. Um, you know, Florida, this Florida State team is extremely talented. Uh, Florida State believes in him. They could have fired him and gone out and get got Dion or something like that. But and Dion was upset that they didn't do that. So, um, and that's why he's kind of uh, disassociated from the school recently. But uh, they didn't. Uh, Florida State believed in Mike Norvell and. They got one of the best teams in the nation right now because of that. He hit the portal and got some really talented players. You know, Jordan Travis was a transfer guy. Uh, Keon Coleman was a transfer guy. Plenty of other guys. Uh, wasn't it Braden Fisk, the nose tackle transfer guy? He made some big plays. So yeah, a lot of really good ones. But I think if I had to go with a guy, I would have to go um, Mike Norvell. I think what he's done this season is huge. Uh, for Florida State, while they had all the expectations, they go out and win some really good games against LSU, against Clemson. Now, granted, this is only week four, so obviously a lot of time to change, but that's who I would go, uh, Mike Morfell. But a lot of really talented coaches, obviously, what you're talking about, the uh, guy out at Fresno State, he's having a great year. James Franklin at Penn State, he's having quite a year. So uh, a lot of guys that are having great years. Yeah. Um... Absolutely. Um, definitely a fun segment. Cool to see where um, our thoughts are at. Um, if you want to comment definitely. on our Instagram post, some of y'all's thoughts on where the um, where you think the awards are going to be going to this season. Um, and we will make uh, – there will be graphics up there, and we might have some graphics for some awards we didn't talk about. I don't know. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. But make sure you follow the socials to figure that out. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, don't want to um forget to shout out the sponsor of this episode. Yes. And a couple of our previous episodes. Of course, we're talking about Appliance Outlet, an appliance store located in the Virginia area that will meet all of your appliance needs. You know, never heard a bad review. And um, yeah, we we uh we we thank them for sponsoring this and um. As for the episode, Michael, um, it was it was a fun one, you know. Week four was crazy. Um, Hold up, we forgot one last segment though. Our top twenty-five. That's what people come here for. You talking and about people- the, um, talking about um, like our our revitalized rankings are too high or not enough. Our revitalized rankings, our new rankings. We gotta have those out. Okay, all right. I um, you know, I have them ready. Yeah, I have them. Um, here, let's just kind of just go rapid fire. Oh well, yeah, of course, of course. That's how that's how we always do it. And uh, again, these top twenty fives will be up on the social, so make sure you go check them out. Um, do you want to start, or should I start? You can start. All right. Uh, so at twenty five, I have a team that you were real high on early. You should have kept them in there. You shouldn't have taken them off. Then imagine where they'd be now. Yeah, Fresno State at twenty five. Uh, they've looked quite good so far. Uh, 24, I have the Maryland Turpins. Um, they got a really nice win against Michigan State. Um, 
And yeah, Maryland so far this season has looked quite nice. Uh, at 23, I have Kansas. Again, 4-0. Lance Leopold has that team playing amazingly. Um, at uh, 22, up two spots from last week, I have Kansas State. Uh, bounce back game against UCF. Uh, they will be fine. Uh, at 21, I have Missouri up two spots. Uh, they ended up not absolutely blowing it against uh, Memphis, which I said was a real possibility. Uh, overall, they look pretty good. They went 24-37. Um, some people might say it's closer than what they should be. Uh, if you were paying attention, it's not. Uh, at 20, down five spots, I have Ole Miss. Uh, again, is Lane Kiffin going to be able to win the big one? That's the real question. At 19, I have Oregon State also down five spots. Um, you know, they got down pretty big against uh, Washington State. They made it real close at the end, but um, maybe they kind of need to limit, eliminate some of those real big throws. Um, at 18, I have uh, Miami up one spot. Uh, they continue to look quite nice um, and excited to see what they look like through the rest of ACC play. Uh, at 17, I have Washington State up four spots. Uh, they look very good. Uh, Cameron Ward is him. He has established himself in the Heisman convo, and they're definitely a real team. At 16, I have uh, Duke up two spots. Um Man, how good was Duke against Clemson then if, Clem if Clemson played Florida State that close? That's the real question. But uh, Riley Leonard, another guy that definitely could have been uh, brought up in the Heisman conversation. At 15, up two spots as well. I have uh, North Carolina. Some people were picking Penn State, you know, to make it real close and outright even win. Uh, that game was not really close. North Carolina looked quite nice. I mean, they had um, old Drake May throwing touchdowns with his left hand. What are we doing? <laughs> uh, at 14, again, as well, up two spots, I have Alabama. Uh, that first half was very iffy for me. That second half, they looked much better against Ole Miss. Um, at 13, staying where they are, I have Oklahoma. Um, yeah, they... Didn't have an amazing win against uh, Cincinnati, but uh, you know they managed to pull out the win. So yeah, it was never really in question though. So uh, at twelve, I have LSU down one spot. Uh, Arkansas, uh, despite that loss to BYU, is still a pretty good team. Uh, that being said, that game should have been nowhere near as close as it was. Um, and this is a rivalry game that's going to be lost due to divisions, uh, getting rid of divisions in college football, or in the SEC specifically. Um, at, at 11, I have Notre Dame down two spots. I'm not going to drop Notre Dame nearly uh, that real far on the count that, you know, a loss to a team that I had at the same rankings to on the last play of the game. Uh, Notre Dame looked pretty good, but they still do have to drop for that. Uh, at Ten, I have Utah up two spots. You know, I do have questions on their offense, but their defense is legit. And if they can get Cam Rising back, they're going to be real. At nine, I have Oregon up one spot. Uh, again, they look very good against uh, Colorado. It's Colorado, so who knows? Uh, at eight, I have USC down two spots. Uh, 
Uh, frankly, that performance against Arizona State was not inspiring. They'll be back, though. Um, and Kayla Williams is really good. And so is uh, Zachary Branch. He is extremely talented. Um, at seven, I have up one spot, Ohio State. Some people have them a lot higher. I just was not nearly um, as blown away by Ohio State as some people have. I don't, they just don't seem like a top five team to me so far. They might end up being, but I don't know. Uh, at six, I have uh, Washington. Uh, I really wanted to put them higher, but it's just, you know, they're, they have some questions on the defense, but again, Michael Penix Jr. is playing amazing. That receiving room is amazing. Kalen DeBoer is, is, has his team playing amazingly. At five, um, I have Penn State. Um, you could argue that Washington looked better than them, and I thought about doing it, but I, I just don't. I mean, they beat Iowa 34 to nothing. I mean, you beat a team, you shut out a team at any level. That's impressive, even if it's Iowa, and they kind of shut themselves out. I mean, so, yeah, that game definitely could have been better, but uh, we didn't talk about that in our preview either. But uh, at four, I have Texas. Uh, they had a quite nice win against Baylor. Uh, yeah, Texas. Four. Uh, at three, I had Florida State. Again, all these are staying at the same space. I have no clue what to do with Florida State. I really didn't know what to do with this top 25 at all. There are so many ways that I could put it. Um, I mean, get a win against Clemson on the road, but you know Clemson is very tough to play in, but it was also not the best win. They very easily could have lost that game, especially if Clemson had a kicker that knew how to make a field goal. Uh, at two, I have uh, Michigan. Uh, staying where they are. Uh, it was very close at times against Rutgers, just, but that being said, Rutgers really kind of struggled to score after that real big play to start the game. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and then at one, I have uh, Georgia still where they are. Maybe you could bring up the fact that they didn't look great against UAB, sure, but uh, until the time is, I don't think anyone has really pulled away from the pack. So yeah, uh, that's my top 25. Also, Carson Beck looked a lot better this week. So, uh, that's the top 25, Toby. All right. Um, making an appearance yet again in my 25, a team I was high on, and finally you're joining the hype train. I have Fresno State having an unbelievable year. At 24, I have Ole Miss. Very disappointing second half. Pretty disappointing first half. They just kind of need to show me that um that they can get it done. At 23, I have Kansas. Very intriguing game versus Texas this week. Jalen Daniels is playing insane, so um, nice to see. 22, I have Missouri. Some people might think this is high, but 4-0, beat Kansas State, have a real test coming up in a couple weeks with LSU. So that'll be interesting. At 21, I have UNC. I haven't been that, that impressed with them this year. Um, You know, big South Carolina win, start of the year. The pit game they played really well, but I'm just I'm just not as impressed. And Drake May's not having as good of a year as I thought he would, even though he had that crazy that touchdown. Fair. At 20, I have Florida. They're um playing inspired football under Billy Napier, which I thought I'd never say. Um, that rushing attack, that catch by Pearsall was crazy. Um, big game versus Kentucky this week. At 19, I have Miami. They are um playing some really good football right now. Tyler Van Dyke's playing insane. 
and um, it's really good to see. At 17, I have Oregon State. Um, tough loss versus Washington State, but they um, they showed they can keep it close in a matchup like that. Yes, it was towards the end, but um, they showed some losses. 16, I have Duke. Great win for UConn. 15, I have Washington State. Cameron Ward beat Oregon State. Nothing more to say about that. At 14, I do have Notre Dame dropping to then. You know, they put up a great fight against Ohio State, but the loss does drop them down a couple of spots. 13, I have LSU. Not as good of a performance I wanted to see against Arkansas, but um, they got the job done. At 12, I have Oklahoma. Kind of just staying neutral. Um, Good win versus Cincinnati. 11, I have Alabama. Um, Jalen Milrow was the difference, and they got a signature win this year against Ole Miss. At 10, I have Utah. Um, I mean, what can't you say about them? The fact that they're doing this without Cam Rising. They might be winning some ugly games, but they're winning them. At 9, I have USC dropping a lot. Um, Even though their performance versus Arizona State isn't that impactful, how bad it was, other teams had some big wins this week, so they do fall. I have Oregon at 8. Um, statement game versus Colorado. Definitely a team to watch out for. Um, at 7, I have Penn State. I mean, like you said, Michael, you beat Iowa 34-0. You know, you definitely deserve to be at that spot. At 6, I have Washington. Um, is this going to be the greatest the greatest show on turf in college this year? Well, um, that remains they to be might seen. Be. Yeah, for real. Um, at 5, I have Texas. Just another good win. This team just keeps building and building and building, and I think their next big test is the Red Well, actually, no, their big test is Kansas this week. We're going to see how they fare. They should probably win by double digits, but... um. Could be closer than people think. At four, I have Florida State. Um, huge win against Clemson. Mike Norvell, Jordan Travis, they get it done. Um, at three, taking a huge jump, I have Ohio State. They showed they can win a big game, and um, it was um, it was good to see Ryan Day pull it out. As weird as he um is calling out Lou Holtz. <laughs> at two, I have Michigan. Um, pulled away from Rutgers decently early in that game and um, just didn't look back and then at one i have georgia you know not the greatest performance in the world but you know when they played good teams they've won when they played bad teams they've won just stuff that you do as a number one team and um like you were saying michael no one's really pulled away from the other so um yeah that's my top 25 this week all right nice um, yep. Well, um, once again, we um want to thank all of you that made it this far and listened to another episode. And um, yeah, this this week five should be exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Make sure you uh, again follow on the socials. Uh, make sure you rate the pod well. Uh, make sure you share this with your friends. Uh, and family, uh, thank you for watching, or thank you for listening, excuse me. Uh, we got an interesting week of college football, um, this week, uh, so yeah, uh, make sure you watch college football too, so, uh, yeah, uh, thank you for watching, and goodbye.